Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, uh, he, him. I'm Rob, also he, him. And I'm Alistair and another he and him. Cool, we're all here. Um, yeah, okay, so... <laughs> Your diverse we, cast is here. <laughs> yeah, we um we, we toyed with the lathe last week. We we said a bunch of things about how nuclear war wouldn't happen, and we're still here, so... Joke's on us? Yeah, damn. As you will, yeah. Yeah, damn us, essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, we'll try harder this time. Um, but we won't really, though, because we're not going to talk too much about Russia and Ukraine, because, like, yeah, it's just all shit and there's not really much to say. Uh, but we do have... It is very uh, funny that they keep getting all those generals killed, though. That, that is, is funny. funny, yeah. It's very much like, what if I was in charge? Like, it, it's fully got the energy of me playing Hearts of Iron. <laughs> but, you know, oh well. Anyway, um, I think we'll just, we'll just fucking kick off and get straight into it, shall yeah, we? So we've let's... got a few pieces of news first, and then we'll go on to the main topic. Yeah, and then maybe treats after... If you're all good boys and girls and other genders, yeah. whatever you like. Um, smooth, bro. Very good, smooth. Good recovery there, no. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely stuck that landing. Oh, yeah, fucking hell. I feel seen and valid. <laughs> Hello, I'm James and my pronouns are other. <laughs> uh, hello i'm james and my pronouns are other slash misc asterisk like yeah <laughs> well i mean let's not talk about the ukraine uh war in and of itself oh, but that's gonna annoy some people bit... I, I, the ukraine I oh no S- still don't care um but i want to <laughs> Like, I could be bothered to learn as to why that's a thing, but I promise you, dear listener, I'm not going to. Um, so how is life over in the Switzerland, Rob? <laughs> it's the fine. Um, <laughs> now, I wanted to talk about some of the uh, ancillary bonuses um, of, of the conflict, uh, mainly to do with uh, commodity prices, which have been on an increasingly insane oh. uh, ride this year. So, like, we've already talked a little bit about the increases in natural gas prices, but I don't think that, like, a lot of people have quite worked out what the current conflict is doing to, like, not just gas, but the rest of the commodity markets. And mm-hmm. we've already, before this conflict uh, kicked off, we there was going to be a lot of talk about inflation uh, this year. Um, but I think it's going to get essentially a whole lot worse. So, you know, hooray. And I want to talk about that a little bit. There was a uh, Resolution Foundation uh, report uh, called about the uh, out, their outlook for living standards. They expect uh, 8% real inflation this year. Uh, so, you know, I don't know how you're feeling about your job, but I'm pretty sure I'm not getting an 8% pay bump uh, to compensate. <laughs> I yeah. have received, I, I've been told I'm getting a 6% bump. But no, this is the thing about working for socialists. They just give you shit like that, and uh, that's great. So I'm still going to be losing even after a six percent bump. That's shocking. Wonderful. I can't believe the Northern Independence Party would give you a below inflation pay rise. Shocking. I know, right? Six <laughs> uh, percent. What I would fucking do for six percent? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. What I would fucking um, do to anyway, get paid. So- <laughs> I mean, Jamie, this is literally what you do fucking do to get paid, so we know. <laughs> well, not this episode isn't fucking freeloaders. Um... 
So, so Rob's had it out for non-binary people, people from Ukraine, and now our premium listeners, or non-premium listeners. Incredible. Yes. <laughs> so, someone had his fucking Cheerios today, definitely. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I want to talk a little bit about some of the uh, commodity uh, swings we've been seeing. The first thing I want to talk about is wheat, uh, because Russia and Ukraine combined are quite important when it comes to wheat. They export almost a third of the world's total supply. Uh, mainly through their black seaports, but obviously those are not doing anything. Um, and the spot prices for wheat, which is like the stuff if you would buy it on the market today, right now, is already mm-hmm. beyond what we saw in 2007, 2008, and 2009, 2010. And just as a brief reminder, in those periods, uh, we had violent protests, food riots in more than 40 countries. And there's reasonable presupposition to say that the spike in 2009-10 helped lead to the Arab Spring because people were getting food insecure. Um, so, you know, good times mm. ahead. It also means yeah. that specific... So I was just going to say, I mean, the one... Like, I maintain this is true, and it's the kind of truth that people don't want to see and acknowledge, but every major revolution has been preceded by a period of food insecurity. Every single one. Yep. Every time. Absolutely. Name, yep. name me one that hasn't, and I don't think you can, essentially. So expect to see some governments change over the next year or two. Well, I mean, when gamers rose up, Not I don't think there was a food shortage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, some countries more than others, uh, and they make for interesting reading. Uh, there was a piece in the Financial Times, I think, yesterday. Uh, so Qatar, for example, is over 90% dependent on Russian wheat. Uh, North Korea, about the same. Uh, Tanzania, Rwanda, Azerbaijan a whole bunch of others over 80 percent turkey which is already at like in a basket case economic situation of its own uh imports 70 percent of its wheat from uh russia and the ukraine supplies 90 percent of lebanon and also is a leading supplier for countries like somalia syria and libya so you know oh, already stable places in a good way that will now get more food insecure um, so and just as an fyi this is just the opening shot like this is just if Ukrainian farmers don't start like planting the summer crop soon, uh, wheat prices globally could double or even triple, and like food inflation is already at about eight uh, percent. So like the current season is already pretty much fucked because nobody knows when to plant, when to harvest, when to put in fertilizer. And the U.S., Canada, and Argentina, who would normally pick up the slack, um, have had very bad harvests for different reasons. Uh, so yeah, like yeah, it's looking very on, good. On the on the plus side, like we'll just rename Shreddies to like Freedom Squares or some shit. And then <laughs> yeah. <hold the> brand. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll ban Putin because it sounds like Putin, and that'll make everything fine. I can't believe they've actually done that. They haven't banned it; they just renamed it. Same thing. It's, yeah, like splitting hairs here, Jamie. What did what did they, rena- yeah, they, they renamed it to? Like the concept of Putin. They renamed it to like <laughs> cheesy chips with gravy. And like Jamie Oliver's like on the, on his way to that guy's house with a fucking like knife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that fucking prick! <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, it is so funny like, the like the massive change in class connotations of poutine versus cheesy chips and gravy. And yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah J- it is Jamie, like... Jamie Oliver getting very mad at uh, you know it being displayed on a flat screen TV. Yeah, me me being like a fucking, do you know what I mean? Like just a fucking humble peasant and everything. I had no idea what the fuck poutine was. And when I found out it was like cheesy chips with gravy, I was like, what? Why is that like this fucking, do you know what I mean? Why does that sound so like uh, 
fancy uh, it's and not, elaborate. But, but it's fancy because it's not cheese; it's cheese curds. Exactly. It's it's separatist cheesy chips and gravy. <laughs> Quite literally. It's it's fancy because <laughs> Quebec just you know it's only, requires only, it to be so. They're only cheese curds if they come from the Kurdistan region. Otherwise, it is just <laughs> <sparkly> <laughs> <cheese>. <laughs> While we're on, uh, while yeah, we're on so the subject of Jamie Oliver as well, did everyone uh, see that clip that went around Twitter of his lamb curry song from like two thousand eight uh, or yes, whatever? Yes, I seen the first ten seconds of it and promptly stopped fucking watching. <laughs> <laughs> High cringe, no, no, I, I couldn't fucking cope with it. Honestly. I mean, the, the cringe was the cringe was secondary to the like the racist accent. I felt like, but <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was secondary. I think it was kind of um, core to the cringe. Really, <laughs> like of all the racism that you could do, like just that was oh fucking hell, like. I just did not enjoy a single second of it. Truly lethal levels of cringe. Apparently, though, apparently that song was really popular in Eastern Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I mean, these are the same fucking nutters that embraced David Hasselhoff as a legitimate artist, so... <laughs> oh, deal. Fair enough. You heard it here first. Um, Rob is saying that Ukraine had it coming, so... Though Ukraine had it coming. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, just goddamn... Yeah, okay, great. Great. Enjoy clipping that in future people. Um... Do you think we can solve this conflict by giving Putin control over the Ukraine, but sneakily the country's been renamed to Ukraine and therefore it's all fine? No, oh, no we, we just the, the, what are they renamed it is Ukraine like a long time ago. What, so what if we that, just renamed the Ukraine to North Macedonia and then we give it to Putin? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see no problems with that plan whatsoever, Rob. See that, that that's it. He's cracked it, lads. End to racial and ethnic conflict in the region guaranteed. Yeah, that's yes. it. Welcome to all our friends in Greater Transnistria. <laughs> Oh, bad. It's going to be such a pain in the ass to get our KGB checks now, like, because with all the banking disruptions. Um, yeah, anyway, briefly returning to the field of commodities, because there's really good comedy fun to be had there. Um, so, uh, apart from the gigantic spike in wheat, wheat prices, we are already past, in terms of price, the spike that we saw in the gas spot market as well, when it was about £450 per therm. Uh, we're now yeah. at about 540 per therm. So, like, we're well above that, about twenty percent. I'm, the I'm top. just, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna stop doing this fucking podcast if, if all it is is just like, here, do you want some anxiety? Do you know what I mean? Like, can't we, can't we talk about something funny? We not got like some dipshit that's written an article got, about how like we should some, fucking. I've got terrible news for you, Jamie. We've managed, we've figured out how to monetize anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't we talk about like sorcerers that fucking want landlords renamed or whatever the fuck it was we did that time? <laughs> Don't worry, we do have an article and you will enjoy it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the command, you will enjoy it, citizen. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, and as we know, there's the uh, price cap raises uh, still coming in April, which I didn't know, by the way, but prepaying customers uh, will get a higher price ca- cap rise uh, yep. than, yep. like, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, because fuck country. the poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They should just um, choose as far not as to I be know, poor. And so far as I know, Labour's still sticking to that like two hundred quid one-off bonus, and the Tories are yep. still doing it the same. But there's no interest. See, I reckon. Low, just... I reckon in a couple of years, Labour is just fully going to be the party of like rise and grind mentality. Do you know what I mean? 
Are they not already? <laughs> in, yeah, like, it's like, like oh, you're heating, bills, you're heating bills too hot, too high. But like, if someone offered me like a like a fifty percent reduction in my heating bills for the rest of my life or a big jumper now, I would take the big jumper now. And here's why: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> labor first being superseded by labor sigma. <laughs> I mean, I, I, what can you say? Kiostama absolutely is a sigma male. Spe- yeah, oh man! Sigma Speaking bombs. of being a sigma male, did you see? Because we are recording on International Women's Day, did you see the po- photos of him having a very casual reception with very casual business women? Oh, I think it's I've amazing. Seen one of them, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keelsplain.jpg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to also quite the audience. Um, I mean, like, if, if I'm gonna, if I was trying to fucking launder my reputation on International Women's Day by having a picture taken, it would be one where I was listening to the women and not talking at them. Well, <laughs> like, it's very fucking easy. Yeah, I mean, he's failed. He's failed the the Sigma mindset already. If he's looked at a woman ever, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Wait, how do you do it in Sigma mindset? Then is it do you just like stare at the floor and mutter until they sort of fall over you, like in those old Lynx commercials? No, it's meant to be men going their own way, kind of like don't need no women. Don't need oh, yeah, okay. like... disregard women acquire currency. I believe is the um, terminology used. <laughs> yeah, um, loosely, it, it's, it's more colourful than that. But I, sh- and we know, I shan't I mean... sully International Women's Day by saying the actual thing. Yeah, and and to be totally honest, I mean, like we know Kia has canonically looked at at least two women, so. <laughs> Tim Shipman, is that you? I, I don't know what you're referring oh, to. Yeah, it would be it would be good if every woman that Keir Starmer ends up looking, I guess, announced incidentally on a, on a Sin and Kose stream. <laughs> it would be maybe they can all like be bounced into like slightly lesser positions in the Labour Shadow Cabinet if just the mere glance. Oh, who knows. Who knows? Anyway, I, I, I don't want to talk about labor. Let's let's not talk about labor today because I really can't. All right, do you want to talk more about it. commodity prices? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess we do. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, gas <laughs> is already getting very fucking bad, and uh, you know, we talked about it before. Like twenty nine energy companies have already exploded in like the last year and a half, and I think there's going to be an interesting like new stretch of this is if the gas prices stay this high, as they probably will, because Russia started to threatened to cut off gas supplies to Europe and the UK as well. So, like, if that happens, it's going to get really interesting in a hurry. Um, so, like, it's um, going to be... Serious question. Serious mm-hmm. question. What are the odds of us having to go back to three-day weeks? Uh, not high not... enough. <laughs> I would say they're not zero, but they're also, with the current Tories in charge, like, they will we'll just make you work by, like, candlelight or in the dark or something, like, you know... I do want to talk about the other thing because that is essentially very funny because like the oil price is rising as well and that means apparently oh, the Americans wept. are now it's just, oh, oil's going... the same thing as gas though it's like fucking do you know what I mean? No, this no, is but just oil like is fucking... just the thing. This is just oil like oil oh no, we're not ca- going to. I'm sorry, I'll stop talking about Lego all of the time. So anyway, who's heard of Duplo? <laughs> <laughs> as everyone knows, oil is just very sluggish gas. That's yeah. how it works. <laughs> Well, only one of them upsets seabirds, so I don't hear this. <laughs> anyway, Listen, the thing I want to don't, talk- you don't want to talk about seabirds with gas, David. The, boom, the, boom. No, the Sorry, thing I Rob, to, that wasn't worth it. 
the thing I wanted to briefly mention is that the, the the amazing thing right now is apparently because we need to not have Russian gas anymore. So the Americans are apparently like making friends again with the Venezuelans after cutting them off from the global market. <laughs> Uh, 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 the irony is delicious. Yes, the turntables. <laughs> also, like after years of embargoes and sanctions to like cripple the Venezuelan oil industry, this is another you know series of chickens coming home to roost because probably they can't even like turn the taps back on fully because the American yeah. like sanctions have like destroyed their infrastructure to such a huge huge degree. I mean, oh, would yeah. you would you sell it to the Americans anyway? Would you not just sell it to some fucking like some guy on like fucking YouTube that's going to drink it or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, if I was in, we will sell I... only to the LA Beast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I was if I was Venezuela, I would be tempted to sell to America because what you then have is a situation where America can't fuck with you because essentially they're too dependent on your gas supply. I think like, you just end up I mean, in a situation where, like, for Saudi for how long? You deliver, I'm, I'm, like, you deliver them like a million barrels of oil, and then they fuck with you for a bit until they start like running out of oil, and then they pretend to be friends again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that like United Fruit was already supplying the US with bananas before you know they went off. So <laughs> mm, maybe actually, Venezuela want Venezuela knows once the uh, once the fucking like. Once their fishermen stop arresting like fucking jarheads on the beach, that America's about to start like start asking for like for fucking oil nicely again. So yeah, I mean, uh, let's not talk about uh, essentially all the commodity prices are going insane. And while like I think it's kind of hard to draw like hard and firm conclusions about shit in a week because market reactions are a lot about psychology and magical thinking. But I think it is pretty clear that if the West, in its broadest meaning, wants to like decouple itself from Russia and its natural resources, it's going to mm -hmm. be like one hell of a very long year in a lot of ways, and essentially oh, yeah. none of them pleasant. Because like, if you decouple yourself from Russian oil, gas, nickel, uh, gold, uh, whatever, um, like you need to make up that backfall, uh, like that shortfall, in other places, and none of those places are going to be having a good time either. Except I mean, like, yeah, you get to fuck over the Americans. On 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 the front of fuel, yeah, okay, we do need like a constant supply of that. But like all the fucking like metals and shit, we could just what we could do is we could just stop fucking buying and like like releasing a new iPhone every fucking twenty minutes. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe maybe I've don't fucking. I've had a little check. No, I've had a little check, and apparently we can't do that. Fuck yeah. <laughs> maybe we just go and oh. dig up the fucking uh, the Amazon landfill and just like use like a bunch of old tellies for a while also like part of the problem is jamie yeah so for rare earth magnets and things like that you could arguably make that you know you know i that is a policy you could actually make happen but things like lithium we can't because it's used in fucking everything these days yeah um so Great song it, as well. in practice uh, yeah. <laughs> i can't be running nice. out of that but um so yeah, so like that—that's the the bigger problem. It's lithium, I think, from and what nickel, I understand, and specifically, uh, yeah, and nickel actually. Good shout, Rob. So, yeah, no, we unfortunately there's just no way around that. That's just a reality we have to live with. Yeah. So like, I think it's kind of hard to draw like hard or firm conclusions because market reactions and markets in general are mostly psychology and partly just wizardry. Um, so, but I do think that it's clear that, like, if the West, in its broadest sense, wants to like decouple itself from Russia and 
the vast amount of natural resources it has. We are going to be having like a hell of a year in a lot of ways, like none of them pleasant, especially if this state of being is like permanent. Um, and I think I mentioned it before, but like the Re Resolution Foundation report uh, projects like two and a half years of falling real wages uh, in, in, in the next couple of years. And I think if you're on benefit, you're essentially completely fucked because this Tory government is not going to bump like 8% uh, benefits just to keep up with, with inflation. I mean, like, that's just to be not fair, Rob, happening. To be fair, Rob, a Labour government wouldn't do that either. So that's true. Just put yeah. that to rest. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think unless we talked, we talked a lot about central banking and stuff on previous episodes, but like, unless Rishi Sunak and the Bank of England essentially keep the money printer going, brr, it's, I think, going to get really very terrible fucked. And if you were wondering, because I read uh, his May's business school speech, because, you know, I'm just cool uh. like that. Um, is um, he's out there saying that it is the free responsibility of the individual to organize him or herself. Uh, and that is the morally right way to organize the economy. And government borrowing and spending is essentially bad because it makes markets less free. So, you know, good times are had by people of the Thatcherite persuasion, especially in the middle of a crisis. I honestly think ideology is going to get us all immiserated and killed uh, the way this is going, frankly. But because there is only there, there is only one appropriate response to all of this situation. Is that to do, do a no-fly zone over Ukraine? Uh, well, see, this is a problem, right? Because on well, one hand, you've, you've, you've changed got your the... fucking tune. <laughs> <laughs> on one hand, on one hand, you've got the fucking um, you know, free market fundamentalist bullshit, and then on the other hand, you've got ah, yes, well, clearly, what the world needs here is nuclear Armageddon. That's our political discourse right now, essentially. Those are the only things they've got in the shed. And well, uh, if I had to choose, Posadists. <laughs> if I had to choose, it would be option B. <laughs> yes. Join us for a special pod weekend retreat as we camp around Faz Lane together. Um... <laughs> anyway, shall we move on to the next thing, uh, Alistair? Yes. Please, God, um... yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, our next topic comes more from the um, UCU strikes um, field of events. Um, so... At Bristol Uni, uh, sometime last week, 12 students occupied uh, a university building, the Wills Memorial Tower in Bristol, in solidarity with striking UCU workers. Uh, you know, the conditions of, uh, you know, people who work in academia are, as we've said before, fucking dog shit and are rightfully striking to try and prevent yet more backslippage on, on pensions uh, is a specific issue. I think it's the yeah so over the last week uh the university and the occupying students had had uh productive meetings to agree uh to come to terms on the occupation being stopped so and on saturday an agreement appeared to be reached uh, i'm quoting from uh the tab here which is uh you know where this story comes from uh, so no disciplinary action for unauthorized occupation of the university premises uh, as long as it's peaceful uh, next point, university management would clarify the terms under which action short of strike would result in pay cuts, and university management would spread strike day pay losses over a maximum of five days per month for current and future UCU industrial action this year. 
Um, okay, cool. That's um, that's very little, yeah. but it's something. It's yeah, which is pretty much what the occupiers. Say. I mean, like I don't, I don't know if it's Bristol Uni, but I did see a tweet from someone um who mentioned that their uni, like I say, I can't remember if it was Bristol or not, but they were basically refusing to make payment of wages until like all mm. work had been caught up on. Oh fuck so, off! Which is yeah, highly illegal. <laughs> yep. In the most Dave Courtney yep, voice but- you got. Um, yeah, yeah. If you, the listener, playing at home, you can just do that voice in your head. None of us are any good at voices. Yeah, except for me, I'm That's great very at them. True. <laughs> so yeah, the um, the students occupying the building, uh, they describe these concessions as minimal, but uh, they agreed to leave uh, while the concessions are like they'd be implemented. And uh, so I'm going to quote again from Tab here. So, rather than receive confirmation, however, instead the occupiers woke up to an email accusing them of, quote, arguably violent acts, end quote, when they entered the building last Monday and the university would be, again, quote, again, rescinding all concessions, end quote. In a statement, the hmm. students said the claim had not been substantiated with any evidence. Oh, okay, mm. but, I mean, the <laughs> vice-chancellor of a university wouldn't lie. I mean, that'd be, that'd be weird. No. <laughs> All I've ever known a university uh, chancellor to be is an honest broker. Uh, so, the, so it goes on. Uh, occupiers took care to be conscientious and non-violent, talking to the estate team upon entry and informing them calmly and peacefully of our exact actions. Estate yeah. and cleaning staff were informed that they could leave the building at any point and were advised on how, on how to do so. When the Great Hall was occupied, no staff were inside. No occupiers have any, any recollection of violent acts nor any threats of such behaviour. Yeah. I mean, like, again, to the listeners at home, if you're going to be occupying a building during a strike, like, be nice to the fucking janitor, because it's not their fault, and they're probably yeah. just as exploited as you, just as an FYI. Yeah. 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 So, and there was uh, there was apparently one member of the cleaning staff who felt distress, and the occupiers sent uh, an, an apology to uh, university management that was then going to be passed on to the effective member of staff, which is, you know, it's all very reasonable. This person was distressed. Uh, and they apologise for the stress they caused. Yeah, fair so, dues. Mm. However, what was okay. the chief complaint of management, do you think? <sighs> um, the, the students... They made a mess. The students occupying looked scruffy. They were not the, wearing what, blazers closest, and boaters. N- not quite, they, but they, um, you're on the right path, Rob. I'm going to guess that they created unhygienic conditions by not allowing the uh, cleaning staff to do their to do their work. Uh, Jamie, any guesses? I don't know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, I, can't, I can't fucking tell you how management thinks. <laughs> well, well, Rob was the closest, uh, except it wasn't um, bow ties and blazers that were scruffy. It was balaclavas that they wore initially when they took over the building. <laughs> um, they told they told the staff what they're going to do, and that they recommended the staff leave. So, yeah, that was uh. that was the chief <laughs> the chief issue that um, the university management had with the with you the occupiers. You stand accused. You stand accused of upping the raw. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, they couldn't accuse them of that because they couldn't do the little dub over when they were speaking to them face to face. So, how do you know it's the IRA then? <laughs> so, um, oh deal. Uh, Billy, who I assume is uh, an anonymized ver- uh, version of this person's name, so Billy, who's a member, of, like, like I say, yes, a member of, of the occupiers, 
Yeah, stress that while individual members of security have acted inappropriately, the occupiers want to direct their anger at university management, who they believe, by reneging on their on the agreement, have shown a lack of compassion and makes clear the university's union-busting intentions. Just like to point out, by the way, it's very unlikely that someone called Billy would be done for upping the rack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do man. you want? Yeah. Do Do you want to hear an extremely annoying? Spokesperson for Bristol Uni and what they're they're always uh, they're, oh they're boy do I ever <laughs> <laughs> I so can't this wait. Is, so this is a quote again from the tab. This is all of what was published in the tab uh, from this spokesperson. <clears throat> we appreciate that the occupation was in solidarity with staff taking industrial action. Fine. However, we cannot condone this. This being wearing balaclavas. And we'll now follow our usual processes where unacceptable bait behaviour is reported. In terms of their demands, we have been able to explain that we have previously communicated to staff that deductions will be taken from across multiple payslips. This is always okay, been so our this approach. is just all right. So the rest is just them denying ever making any agreement with the students occupying yeah. the building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this has always been our approach. This will be taken from March and April's pay, and staff have been made aware of this. So, I mean, uh, and, uh, going back to my earlier point, had they worn little straw hats and blazers, it would have been fine. Yeah, so they, they, were, they, they were occupying, yes, they were occupying the building in a scruffy manner, which uh, <laughs> cannot be abided. They should all wear, wear um, uh, Treefax the Reaper outfits for the next uh, strike. That'd be fucking amazing. <laughs> Nobody's going to complain that that's like a sad thing, like, you know, that that made them feel terrified. Imagine how much fun it would be if like 12 gigantic blow up Christmas trees ran into your building and said, this is now occupied. You'd be like, that sounds amazing, fairness, It would be, I it would would be, be very terrified. hard for the Vice Chancellor to complain when they're on a respirator, though. So. Yeah, I would be terrified of Treefax the Reaper and his kin coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, there was, and there's an updated statement from uh, from this same spokesperson that who said, uh, mm. contrary to statements from the occupiers, the university remains committed to not taking action in relation to peaceful protest. So don't worry, guys, we're not going to do anything that you want us to do. Wait, con- excellent. Contrary to the statements from the occupiers, so them saying they are screwing us over. I assume this is. Th- I assume this is to do with the um, the disciplinary. Okay. Action side of things, but they've already said. Like, I mean, the, 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 it's it's the usual double speak shit. Mm. Like, oh yeah, we won't do anything if it's peaceful protest. But they've already accused them of not yeah. peacefully protesting by, by, by causing wearing distress, a, so. through through the medium of up the ra wearing a balaclava. Okay, just just mm. so yeah, yeah. just so as I understand that the the freedom of expression is being upheld, except for their choice of hat wear. Okay, yeah. protest <laughs> is peaceful unless. You cannot be easily identified, in which case you immediately become mm-hmm. a massive threat. Okay. All right. Cool. Just just double checking that I'm fully informed. Mm-hmm. And, and all right. So next week we will do 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 we or do we not record with a balaclava on? <laughs> I mean, uh, I've been recording. With, yeah, I've been recording with a balaclava since day one. I don't. Is this was I not meant to be doing? Oh, this? I've been doing this fully naked. There's nobody else doing that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, Do we need to settle on like some compromise position where it's like we wear the balaclava and nothing else? Is that what we're basically getting to? It's the only thing that gets me in the mood, to be honest. <laughs> oh dear. All right. So, uh, so there's a there's a little bit more about how uh, we'll always support right of members 
to work in a safe and caring environment, uh, received additional information that suggests there may have been, blah, blah, may blah, have blah, been blah. unacceptable behaviour, uh, further uh, reductions uh, required, uh, uh, positional yeah. spreading strike across strike reductions across two months uh, has always been their approach. So yeah, ooh, ooh, we are small beans. Please um, listen to us and not the scary strikers wearing the um, face masks. Yeah. Cool, very normal, very fucking typical. Um, fuck them and up the workers, up the strikers, yeah. up the occupiers. Massive solid, uh, solidarity with the uh, occupying students and stay in that building as long as you fucking have to to get your concessions. Yeah, up the, up the students, up the staff, and apparently up the RA as well. If they're wearing <laughs> right? Everything's going up on today's podcast. Everything. Mm. Um, Who if else these, is on the up and up? If these trends continue, um, no, I, I have a compromise. Maybe on the on the pod, where we all do wear balaclavas, but then to make sure that we don't fall afoul of the centrist mob running Twitter these days, we do all wear army jackets with sonarads on them, and then naked <sighs> on the waist. God. Out. I think that's probably oh, the most appropriate outfit for. <laughs> and if you're not happy, Sonorads for some, Ukrainian flags for others. <laughs> <laughs> the Ukraine flags for even others. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Okay. Um. What else have we got, Alistair? Um. So this is a uh, probably probably one of the bigger nuggets that we've had is uh, the um, John Burko's uh, inquiry. Nugget in... is a good word, yeah. <laughs> oh that one's for our scottish listeners enjoy (laughs) that one clearly sailed straight over my head so i'm just gonna persevere (laughs) so um there was a recently an independent inquiry into um a numerous allegations of bullying uh, on the part of john burker while he was uh formerly speaker of the house of commons so the uh okay there were well, I don't. I don't really think we need to go too much into the specific details of what he's alleged to have done and when it happened and all that stuff. The main. I mean, this headline... is a this is a very very long running story. Like this, I remember yeah. this from when yeah. he was speaker. Like that, this was a very long running story, but everybody just wants to ignore it because he shouted all the at like Brexit people or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so. The, the the headlines of this inquiry's findings are that there were out of thirty five complaints that were made, twenty one were upheld. Um, okay. There was a recommendation that if Burka was still a member of the house, uh, the the inquiry would have recommended his his like formal expulsion. Um, which by the way, almost has never happened. It's happened like less than half a dozen times. Usually, an MP will either resign in like in shame or will be like maneuvered out of. Uh, out of the House of Commons through some other means, um, and they also would. Uh, they also recommended that he never be given um, a pass to, like, a formal pass to the House of Commons. But he he can still. So he enter can't become a he... lobbyist, essentially. Oh no! Uh, yeah, essentially. Raspberries. And yeah. So, hang on, right? So, the, my thing is, I'm a little skeptical about this whole thing. What? I know we said he didn't want to get deep into it, but what is it they allege that he actually did, and who was investigating him, spe- investigating him specifically? Uh, it's the House of Commons Standards Committee. Yes, right. It was the House of Commons Standards Committee, and there were allegations made by. Uh, so the allegations were brought by Lord Lisvane, uh, former Clerk of the Commons, and Private Secretaries Kate Ems and Angus Sinclair. And so mm. an example of some of his behaviour was, you know, screaming um, 
at Clark's in the house, and at one point, I believe, throwing a phone uh, at a wall or something Ooh, to that right, effect. Okay. Yeah, so quite, you know, scary stuff, uh, particularly if you're a junior uh, like worker in the House of Commons. Yeah, that that's fair enough. That's not the sort of stuff that you can really kind of fake, basically. No. So, yeah. sure. so, obviously, the findings go beyond scathing. But, to me at least, I do find it a bit amusing that these inquiries can have teeth when they are inclined to, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, it's not to say that MPs aren't regularly up to their necks in it. But mm-hmm. really... Does something come out that nails an MP to the wall in quite a fast enough and exact enough level of detail that you know they're recommended to have been expelled? Well, I mean, uh, it's it's a it's it's not quite fast enough because he's already out, isn't he? Like he's done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, but what what I mean is, in terms of the findings being so immediate that the ramifications would have been expulsion, the last, the yeah. last of which was in like nineteen the nineteen fifties. Um, I mean, like, yeah, but on the other hand, like, you know, I, I, I also think that this whole thing wouldn't have happened um, if he hadn't been like the sort of anti-Brexity guy, like with the current Tory majority, like they would have just shuffled this under the rug if he'd been like a, you know, if he towed the line more in, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I mean, it's, it's a, so Burko himself has essentially fought this. It sounds to me like it's fought, he's fought this. Uh, inquiry like every step of the way um which the um the, the inquiry itself has like dismissed essentially like, more or less out of hand uh, the um like burko burko's yeah. comments on on the inquiry itself um and sat- mm. by the sounds of it like rightfully so i mean yeah so this is kind of ex- this is kind of exactly it i mean you you look at the uh, allegations and investigations into Pretty patel which uh, by the sounds of it were you know, the same sort of category of severity and reprehensibility as what Burke has alleged, well, found to have done um, after this inquiry. But because Patel, Patel is obviously uh, a useful ally of Johnson, as well as, like, um, a dove of the, the most right-wing parts of our press, uh, all it takes yeah. for her to essentially suffer minimal to no ramifications is for Johnson to come out in support of her. And... Mm. Yeah. You know, um, the the inquiry is entirely defanged. So it's and and it seems to me it's like quite similar in like comparison to things like the expenses scandal. It's not so much a shocking revelation of a rare and unexpected um, breaking of the house rules and norms, but it's like you know a glimpse behind the curtain of the reality of what it is to be in the House of yeah. Commons, like. And this is this is by no means uh, unique to just the Tories. I mean, we've had um, uh, Neil Coyle recently suspended for um, allegations of in, like, intense racism uh, to uh, who yep. I believe was a uh, if not a junior journalist, then um, a journalist I've not heard, I hadn't heard of prior. It was to... a journalist, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think I, I think Alice, you're kind of hitting the nail on the head here because my initial assumption when I heard about this inquiry was, mm, I think they're probably getting, you know, they're being punitive against him because he was a real pain during the Brexit kind of stuff, right, was my mm-hmm. initial kind of take on it. And, yeah, no, it turns out, actually, he has done some horrible shit, but I think you've actually, you've, you know, thesis, he probably has been targeted because of the Brexit stuff, 
Antithesis, actually, he has done some terrible shit. Synthesis, they do terrible shit, but if you're on the right team, it gets swept under the rug. Yeah. And what's happened is the law is being, like, standards are being selectively enforced mm. against people who are politically inconvenient. Yeah, I mean, so and essentially... pretty yeah, fucked up. Yeah, so essentially, this stuff is, like, like I say, is, is happening all the time, but it's only when it's politically expedient, or more rarely, when there is a significant enough rupture the business as usual in Parliament is like completely disrupted, uh, mm-hmm. and therefore the propaganda arms of the state, you know, your BBCs, uh, and maybe your, your even and more the, tame the like telegraphs, etc., yeah, etc., etc., uh, are allowed, or in the case of a particularly big rupture, forced to announce this stuff to the public, which is what we found with um, the the whole second jobs. And expenses scandals yeah. and yeah. Partygate shit. It's this stuff is happening all the time, and that's kind of what I thought this uh, story why why it was interesting because it's like this is this is how this is the what you don't see. This is really what you do, what, and especially what obviously MPs don't want you want you to see. And this level of toxicity is like this is base level. This is how it works in Parliament, like rooting bullying out of Parliament, plus all the other horrendous shit that happens there behind closed doors, and sometimes even uh, out in the open, fundamentally never going to be tackled by the only actual authority that can deal with it, which is the party of government. At least, yeah. at the very least, Labour and the Tories, and I don't, I'm not so much aware of the goings-on behind like nothing parties like the Lib Dems and greens etc uh they run i mean the green let's be real the greens have one mp yeah so, i mean like it's... well you're basically saying what is caroline lucas secretly up yeah to it's not who cares? yeah exactly and, and, <laughs> <laughs> and you know they, they these uh, the major parties at least run on bullying and shithousery and you know this sort mm. of ties into um you know the corbyn years and what we've seen since then and so it's doubtful and particularly uh, for a given faction within uh, such a party that has managed to bully and bulldoze and backstab their way to office ever going to do away with the tools that e- they use to achieve that success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because they need that type of, you know, if you want to keep these people in, in, in line, you need, uh, you know, what tools do you have left? If you, like, mm. let's take like I an mean, example, it's the only t- right? I mean, it's let's... the only tool, it's the only tool that the Labour right have and it is what they're going to, you know, it is the hammer that they've got to apply to every nail of political issue that comes before them yeah Yeah. i mean essentially because like if you um like the tories at least they're not better but at least they have like uh, a carrot and a stick whereas the labor hashes as a stick Mm. whereas the tories at least like yeah you might be badly behaved but they can always be like look how about we build a new whatever library or community center or like you know we put like more money into your pet projects or your constituency right yeah, like, well, at least with the Tories, you get pork barrel politics. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Tories. I mean, have I think to like, buy one, one of the ways. Yeah, one of the ways that you can say that's definitely true of Labour as well is look at like, and I hate to do this, but look at the thick of it. Like, it's specifically <laughs> modelled on the concept of a Labour government, and why was the only reason that Labour government was remotely fucking effective? It was because Malcolm Tucker was there to just bully people into doing things. That's the only reason anything ever seemed to fucking happen. Yeah, I mean, happen. we we think about who has been, uh, you know, reformed in the public imagination, and it's people like yes. Alistair Campbell. 
Like, mm. just, you know, like, if anything, Malcolm Tucker is less than the real deal, like, diluted no, I mean, by the sound of it. Sort of, like, I mean, so I've got, obviously I've got a bit of experience background in this, like, I, I've touched on this world close enough to be able to tell you that the thick of it might as well have been a documentary in many yeah. ways, because, mm -hmm. like, the honest truth of it is that the majority of MPs, etc., are just kind of thick. Like, they're just kind of dumb. They're not actually, you know, they are good at giving a speech. And that mm. basically, that right there, good at giving a speech and emoting, are the basically the only real requirements. And that, again, depending say. on the party, <laughs> that's not even necessarily a requirement, to be totally honest. Like, if you're mm. part of a big machine party and you get put in a safe seat, it doesn't matter. Uh oh, Putin in a safe um, seat. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, right, okay. But, um, and so in practice, what actually runs government is you've got the civil service, who, uh, like, they basically do, a, the permanent undersecretaries basically do most of the actual work. Like, they actually run the state, the ship of state. And then the other people that run it are essentially the special advisors of whatever form that are brought in. Um, and then those rare politicians who actually have some, like, material competence and some, pol and, and in practice, political ability. Because here's a, here's the thing, right? Actually, being good at politics is not required to be an MP. No, absolutely not. No, it's really not. There's an entire machine there to do that for you. Yeah, essentially. Like, if you're actually able to play politics, you might do quite well, or you might do quite badly. Um, and we we put all this together. The odds of getting someone through who is in order, politically capable, like can actually play politics with people and, and do that thing and do it well, who is able to give good speeches and emote and actually connect with the public, and who is also professionally competent, like they're intelligent and capable and can make, you know, sound decisions. It's um it's quite rare for them to line up. And so what you get in practice is you have a relatively small coterie of people who are actually directing the overall structure of the political party and its, its government, if you will. And the problem is, under the system, they nominally have equal power with all the other people in their party. And so in practice, we need to cajole, bully, and do other things to get them to go along, essentially. Because they're not, remember, they're not actually based in movement politics or anything. There's not actually any kind of cohesive thing that keeps them all on side. And in many ways, the system of kind of liberal democracy, of electoralism, is designed to get you know, MPs to think and feel they're special so they can be co-opted and can be turned against any, you know, party which is potentially problematic. Like, there's this whole idea that somehow MPs are exceptional because they've been run through the electoral system, and they're absolutely not in the slightest. Look at you, Mike Gates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they, they, are, they are actively encouraged to believe that they are, and we're encouraged mm -hmm. to believe that they are, because that makes them ripe for co-option by, you know, private interest. And so you put all this together, and... In systems that lack like an actual movement-based politics, the only other alternative is this kind of bullying, cajoling kind of bullshit. And so this is why the whips exist, and this is why, if you are to believe the rumours, there are registers in every party containing all the crimes, misdeeds, and embarrassing yeah, facts of every MP. Oh, oh, wait, no, sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, if you, that, um, if you go by that fucking leaked little screenshot of a spreadsheet from the Tories, I believe, back yeah. when yeah. Theresa May was PM. Like there's there's some definite um some definite sex uh 
Yeah, there's some drunk adjacent stuff there. at the very least kind of mentioned in that. Yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. if that was real, um, and certainly we can't talk anything about mm. contemporary politicians, but we do know that, for example, Cyril Smith and others had proclivities which were actively covered up. Yes. So, yeah. Like, um, th- th- this, is the, this is the kind of reality of it, that the coercion and control is necessary to steer this, you know, shambling electoral mess towards any kind of reasonable outcome. And that's why you end up with, it, it, when the system breaks, uh, you get people like, who's, a, who's the name of the Tory former whip who has a fucking tarantula called Williams. Gavin Williamson. Gavin Williamson. Yeah, yeah Gavin I'm, Williamson. <laughs> Cronus, my bestest buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you know, he, he, he basically... <laughs> He basically got himself in a position where he could control the register and has clearly used that to parlay himself into a, you know, political prominence, which isn't well, really meant to happen. Well, until but... his little fucking house of cards fell down and he was spotted crying on the phone to his mum that he'd lost his position as education. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Because um, that can only carry you so far, and once you pull yeah. that trick, people will manoeuvre to expel, expel you. Because yes. the whole system basically works. Like The, the way it works is it's like they've all got knives pointed at each other's throats, which are normally refereed by the whips. And so the idea is as long as you're in the party, then it's fine. Yeah. And this is why, by extension, by the way, the journalist class all ignore this shit, because this is business as usual, mm-hmm. and it probably exactly. applies to them too. And that's, and that's... It's not even that it just applies to them, it's that it's useful to them as well, because if they know some of this stuff and don't report on it, then they can see the manoeuvrings that are occurring around them, which makes for longer-term stories and longer-term yeah. communication and ways of access. And the long and short of it is it's a giant club, and you're not in it, and you're not in it because of accidents of birth. Yeah. Ta-da! Okay, well, let's let's wrap that bit up there, and let's talk about let's talk about another facet of um, British society, which is we just, respecting the military. Don't we just love the British state, folks? Mm, I do. F- favorite thing. We do. Mm. I have well, a patriotic I- erection right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Good. Well, this is something we've been wanting to kind of talk about for a while. It's been on the back burner for ages, ages, and. Figured, fuck it, why not? It's War Christmas all the time anyway, it might as well be, so let's just have this chat now. Um, I know we have kind of talked about War Christmas, etc. a little bit before, way, way back then, um, as we've, we've spoken about the clown shoes of respect, etc. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of, some of that stuff is kind of what I want to touch on. Um, but generally, just this is going to be a kind of, just a chat about the weird conception of what the military is in the mind of the British public. I'm not going to focus too much on the military side of it because I don't really care. Um, it's weirder and more interesting what the public think of the military in Britain because it's a very mm-hmm. strange relationship. Um, basically, as far as the public's concerned, the army is everything to them. And I'll cover exactly what I mean by everything in a little bit. But um, if you ask any liberal, they'll say that there's not a thing that the army couldn't do as good as or better than pretty much anybody else. Yeah, um, we've established that if there's a problem, you get some stout lads in to eat it. And that's how it works. And that's the military, if nothing else, are stout lads who are qualified in eating. Yeah. So what I've, what I've done is, I've, this was very difficult to do any research on because funnily enough, not many people survey the attitude towards the military because it's kind of a given. Mm. Um, like it's just assumed that everyone loves them and they're perfect. So the best I could find was a, a set of um, surveys that were done in 2012. You know, a fine vintage year for liberalism, and mm-hmm. uh, some of the some of the stats I've got here are quite interesting. So people were asked about the respect for the armed forces and other professions. Maximal, just so, endless. I I I I don't know how I could respect it more. 
Yeah, well, just a, a picture of a voice from Crisis going maximum respect. <laughs> and that's like the British default. Yeah. So, um, of the armed forces, 75% of respondents had a great deal of respect. 20% had some respect. 2% had not a lot. And asterisk had um, you know, none at all. Asterisk. Asterisk. Yes. Um, uh, How dare yes. you asterisk? He's not, uh, not even given me a figure, presumably because it's impossible to have none at all respect for the military. Um, that, that, that's like, yeah, fair enough. That kind of seems about right. You would maybe expect that from the British public. Uh, the same question was asked about doctors. Only 63 compared to 75% had a great deal of respect. 33% had <laughs> some, 2% not a lot. And asterisk shows up yet again for none at all. Police. Do you know what I think partly that is? Yes, go for it. The same guy. Is it it's... vaccines? Uh, <laughs> what? No, um, I think it's just contact. Most people don't have contact with the military. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's definitely a part of it. Um, now, of uh, the police, forty-eight percent had a great deal of respect, and forty-one had some respect. A slightly more respectable 7% had not a lot, and um, 2% had none at all, which, like, yeah. Okay, we've got the cool. ball on the show tonight. <laughs> mm, and, yeah, <laughs> and they're here tonight. And the loyals, 12% um, <laughs> a great deal of respect. 50% uh, some respect, because obviously it's a well-to-do job, etc. You've got to study hard for it. 25% uh, had not a lot, and 7% had none at all. So, like, far and away, the armed forces are leading that with the amount of respect given to the them. The amount and, of yeah, let's, let's respect. Why? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Come join the military where you'll, we'll pay you in respect. <laughs> the troop respecter has formed a nation. 83% mm. uh, of people uh, in this, this specific study of the armed forces were asked you know, what's, what's your opinion? And he had a high or very high opinion of it. And this is, obviously, this is kind of taken in the shadow of um, Afghanistan and Iraq had not long since finished. Like, we were three years out of Iraq at this point. So Wait, so that was this was this was the high-respect zone after we got our asses handed to us in um, in the UK, yep. in, in well, Afghanistan this is, this is, this is Okay. This is 2012. So we're still we're still getting our ass handy to us in Afghanistan, and we've finished with Iraq. We pulled out three years before this. Fifty eight percent of people polled said it was wrong to go to Iraq. Now, of that same amount of people, ninety four percent declared their support for armed service personnel who had recently served in Iraq and Afghanistan. So ninety four percent of Iraq, specifically ninety one percent in Afghanistan. Jesus Which, Christ. Pretty fucking desperate there. Yeah, yeah, they, we didn't like them being there, but we loved the job they did when they were there. Like, <laughs> cognitive dissonance, yay. Uh, so that's... Well, yeah, because them, oh, oh, them being there bad. is the, the fault of, like, fucking, like, all the leaders. But, think, you know what I mean? They're, they're there because they, they'll do their duty no matter what, and you've got to respect that. Mm, mm. I love people who just follow orders. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> Famously, never been problems with that before. Now, before we go in any further, like, if I if I reference anything past this point, um, to do with like military experience or whatever, if it, or more importantly, if anyone else um, says that I have military experience, I do not. I have experience of the military. It's a very important fucking distinction. 
So for anyone who hasn't listened before, I used to be in the cadets, both as a cadet and then as an instructor for quite a while after that. Um, that is the full extent of my experience. I've never been in the army. I've never been in the fucking TA or any shit like that. Um, but in those positions, I have spent a lot of time with people who were regular soldiers or also reservists or had extended family which i think is going to be the kind of key group that we're probably going to look at here um who are who are or were in the army so like that is going to maybe come up a bit later on with um perspectives etc etc but we'll get there <sighs> what is the army miserable part of secrets Correct. <laughs> um a machine the that army cannot is... wait to vibrate you yeah, no, it's 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 fed into the machine that vibrates. Uh, no, the army is the ultimate force. Um, it's 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 the be all and end all. It can do whatever the fuck it wants because it can do it all so well. So I've got some examples of uh, the army being fantastic and great at everything it does. Very recently, uh, now I think still at this point. Uh, you had the military supporting the NHS directly because we were running out of people to staff the hospitals because of COVID. Did they not also build As like of, those Nightingale hospitals that then ended up not being used by they, anybody and we just tore yes, them down five minutes yes. after? All right, cool. They were involved in the logistics of setting them up and then did fuck all to staff them. Uh, but like, there, there are reasons for that. The reasons yeah. for that being, we have a fairly small army, and like a very small amount of that is actually doctors. Et yeah, I was going to so, say a crucial misunderstanding of what a bed in a hospital actually pertains to. It's not just the fucking physical bed. Also, it turns out <laughs> there are people that work in hospitals. Like they keep causing like problems by not being enough and wanting money and shit. So. Yeah, that's it. Um, unfortunately, when you when you write um, bed one on a ten thirty three form, the storeman will give you bed one and no other um, accoutrements with it. Uh, mm. The military was as of the thirty first of January this year, so like just over a month ago, um, still uh, given fifteen hundred plus members of military personnel to the NHS to support them. Uh, that was right across the country so like, it doesn't sound like a lot but it doesn't take a lot to make a bit of a difference on a shift sometimes because if you think about how how staffed is a ward that's going to be dealing with like covid stuff it's not actually that highly staffed largely because of the amount of fucking cutbacks etc etc but um it's not going to be like absolutely fucking hoaching with people there'll be enough people there to do the job on a normal day as opposed to what covid's thrown at us mm -hmm. so that's not a bad thing they the army being stepped in to do that. That's, well, I mean, that's it is very bad. It um, should just be done by civilians who should be paid. But, well, you know. it should be. It should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. They'll be getting paid for it. But, like, yeah, it's still not fucking great. And, like, what rate of pay they're on? Uh, don't, don't ask that question. Um, next thing I thought of as an example of um, is as scabs. We love to use the, the army scabs. Of scabs. <laughs> yes, well, yes, fully. Um, this one's kind of a mixed bag because specifically I'm talking about firefighting here. I don't really know of instances where the army's been called in to do stuff for like any other real role. Um, but the firefighter one kind of stuck out to me. So, does anyone remember the Green Goddesses? Yes, I yes. have no idea. Weird what fucking that is. thing. You don't know, uh, right? The Green Goddesses well. are like not fire engines. 
it's very important that we say they are not fire engines. Uh, they're like self-propelled pumps, I think is the, the correct <laughs> term for them. I love to big jump fuck- on a big fire hose and just ride it like a cowboy. <laughs> it's just a big fuck-off lorry. Um, it's more of a van. It's a big van. Um, and like it's got pump mechanism in it, and then it can pump from... What you know, local resource, etc. Yeah, I'm it's a replacement so fire engine. The arm, the army is really missing a fucking trick by just sticking a, one of those pumps in a tank and then just pointing the barrel at build, burning buildings. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's basically just a big fucking water pump on wheels. That's that's all it really is. You need to plug it into a source and then it it does stuff. Super so um, for a They were actually, yeah. <laughs> They, they, they were quite useful um, initially, so they, they were initially brought in as the Auxiliary Fire Service, and that was way back during the cold, early days of the Cold War. The idea was that they would be used as part of like civil contingencies and stuff in the event of nuclear war. Uh, they were first used, I believe, I don't know about first, but they were definitely um, notably used during the winter of discontent when basically every public service said, get fucked, we're not doing it anymore. Uh, so that's the firefighters were brought um the army was brought in to replace the firefighters then and this kind of continued on and off until 2004 the bear in mind like the auxiliary fire service was shut down by harold wilson in the 60s um this equipment was still there and still in use by the army in 2000 up until like the early 2000s 2001 2002 there were notable fire strikes where these engines were deployed Tony Blair didn't like that, so uh, passed a passed some legislation to ensure that firefighters had to give over their own equipment to the army if the army had to step in to cover a strike, thereby defanging the ability to have a strike. Love to have a Labour government supporting the rights yeah. of workers to strike. Yeah, so they were used up in the last instance, like I said, was 2002 that I could find, and we sold off the last 40 of these engines um, in 2005. So there's that. They have been recently used for some good as well. Uh, if I don't know if anyone uh. remembers the, uh, the, the big fire in the moors near Manchester back in 2018, the Saddleworth mm-hmm. Moor. Like, yeah. massive fuck-off set of files there. The army was sent in to assist with that. Not in those engines, obviously. Though they were using, like, Chinooks to do water drops and shit like that. Uh, and now I've got to say, part, also... part, part of my mind is just incapable of separating the concept of the army trying to deal with a fire by just, like, firing bullets into it, like some, like American cops. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they, they, so it comes it's, from it's fighting final. the file. <laughs> it's fine, Alistair. They use the CIA ice bullets, and that works. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, um, they are also fairly regularly deployed uh, whenever there's flooding. Um, any any sort of big flooding that starts to affect like towns, villages, etc. The army tends to be deployed, and they are quite good in that because, like, no, the way they've got the the, I was going to say, yeah, they've got all the sandbags, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah, literally it. it's about heating things at water. So, like, I'm not surprised that that works. <laughs> Exactly, that's it. Um, I mean, it's engineering, and the, the army does actually tend to be quite good with engineering. Um, they spend a lot of their money and training time just fucking about with engineering tasks. They love that shit, so they're quite good at that. So Can't they just play space engineers like a normal person? <laughs> yeah. I mean, arguably, this creates some kind of like good argument for the continued existence of the army in some form, um, like disaster relief, that type of stuff it's good to have something like that that's effective and can be deployed wherever it needs to be deployed. That's good. 
But you'll notice a little pattern forming here. We've covered ambulances. We've covered fire engines. What's the next thing? Well, the Coast builder. Guard. No, no, not the Coast Police. Guard. That's the Navy's job. Finally, we have, we have realised the true sort of strength of the cop, the military. Yeah. So I can't think of any examples where the army has been used to replace the cops because the cops don't ever do anything good, like go on strike and stop being cops, etc. So yeah, well, they, can't, they can't do that. That's illegal. Well, exactly. <laughs> I can't wait to get my uh, army crime number to, re to for insurance purposes. <laughs> <laughs> so what I've got is um, a little sampling um, of tweets from... During the London riots. Oh boy! Oh, what oh boy. wonderful time to be online. Oh, Am I? Wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait! Let me let me put on my uh, wizard prognosticator hat. Are we about to hear from Caitlin Moran? We are. Would it be so bad <laughs> oh, no. if the army rocked up now, Caitlin Moran? There we go. Uh, we've got. Let's I mean, see this was this was here. this was blue tick fucking like heaven one they all they all just yeah, have like, such a massive fucking hard on for the army turning up and brutalizing people oh yeah 100 percent. so i've actually got quite a few blue ticks none of which actually um are uh notable as far as i'm aware of them but i will just give you what they do and the tweet so we have here um send in the army send in the water cannons stop fucking around from a dj uh we <laughs> have dj a dj um Doc Scott. Never oh, heard of the cunt. Never heard of the no, prick. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is, I haven't heard of any of these cunts either. I'm going to assume um, that that guy has like a show on BBC Radio now. I, I don't know. Um, we've got BBC Politics account. Um, UKIP leader Nigel Farage MEP has uh, called for the government to send in the army to quell the riots no, in London. No, that doesn't sound like my boy. No, no, no. <laughs> What's he doing in um, there? Sending the guns? No. We have got... Um, who the fuck is this cunt? Hang on, he's he's moved to another. Every day I scroll through Twitter.com, another blue tick. Who the fuck is this cunt? Literally, don't know who this fucking guy is, but he's got a blue tick. Um, hardworking people trying to run businesses. Time to send in the army and kick the crap out of these unemployable teenagers. What was the name? Um, unemployable. Oof. That was Steve Brookstein. That rings a vague bell. I don't know. I don't know who the fuck it is. Um, now for uh, uh, now a Sky. I don't know if he was then, but he's now a Sky News political correspondent. Oh, good. Honestly, send in the army. Getting outrageous now. Hashtag London riots. I mean, it probably showed that tweet to them when he applied for the job. Yeah. Mm, um. Okay, we've got. Jesus now, Christ! I will, I will say though, that's like that's like fucking peak newsreader. That the one, you know what I mean? The sort of prick who could like dispassionately report on riots in like any other country <laughs> in the world, but when it's happening at home, like, <laughs> fucking hell! You better like, you know what I mean? You better release the hounds with bees yeah, in their mouth, etc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ, Mister Cameron! All caps. Send in the army now, please. Jesus from Christ. I some voiceover actor. Do these people um, like not have sort of any remote conceptual thing of what they're saying? Of if we use the armed forces to police the civilian population, what it is they actually are saying, you know, and what kind of government they are actually aspiring to? Like I don't. Rob, I don't these really... are the 
these are the same people who are calling for like uh, a peaceful no-fly zone over Ukraine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you the last one I've got here from another who, DJ. Who was that guy? You said a voice actor. Was it? Was it like uh, any character we might have heard of? Was no, it like I, I Duke Nukem? Is Duke Nukem a melt? The guy who did the, <laughs> the, English, the guy who did the English dub for Triumph of the Will. Duke, someone, someone Duke called Nukem is a comrade. Don't, I won't have you say otherwise. Yeah. Um. Someone called Abby Roberts. Okay. I yeah. Don't know. Um, and the last one, another DJ, uh, someone called Lempo, who the fuck knows who cares. Uh, there is clearly zero political motivation. The PM needs to pull his finger out and send in the army to shoot the fuckers, <laughs> but fuckers has been asterisked out. Hashtag riot oh, good. cleanup. Oh, good. Oh, My uh, call for yeah. extreme Civility violence politics. has been sanitised with an asterisk in a swear word. <laughs> I, I like the um, I like the, the suggestion there that like fucking, do you know what I mean? David Cameron needs to pull his finger out and send the army in to whatever his finger was in. Presumably <laughs> <laughs> a pig or some shit, you know what I mean? Just like... <laughs> They're purposely there to replace the pigs. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of like where the ideal is. Like That's what the army's really for. It's kind of bad when we send them away to do wars and stuff because people generally like... Well, maybe not generally... Right now, everyone seems to fucking love the idea of a war, but typically over the last like twenty years or so, that's been kind of a bad oh, thing. Hey, we the British, be doing pe- it. British people love a war so much right now that since we haven't like fucking done one with the army, everyone's just going over there themselves. they've got yeah. the Baz division hitting the ground in the, yeah. uh, in Ukraine now. Yeah, I mean, we, so we've the Georgia di- detachment of the Baz division. Yeah, we've disparaged yeah. the the idea of war by fumbling Iraq and Afghanistan, and we won't investigate what that actually means. But what we need now is a good war in order to restore faith in yes. liberal yeah. democracy. Oh. Hey, while you're talking, while while you bring up the, the the fumbling of Iraq, did you see that fucking optics cunt today saying I, that like? Oh yes. I mean, that was exactly what I was obliquely great. referencing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, specifically. Oh, that was the that was the Times guy, right? Who was just like, yeah. The, yes. the bad thing about Iraq was that it made our political system sad or something. Like, it, yeah, it Josh really... Glancy, you're a fucking cunt. It made the people like not like war, but now we've got a good war that makes people like war again. So we'll be back in Iraq like this time next year. Phew. Mm, and people will be yeah. people will be happy about it this time. Mm. <laughs> So yeah, that's 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 what the that's what the army's really for. Um, if if you're a liberal, uh, that's that's that. Well, it kind of. I mean, so do you, you know, get put my theory hat on a second. It kind of is. I mean, you know, the thing about liberals. Do I get a theory it, hat? Um, I, you can have one if you want. Theoretically, one, Jamie, Jamie, yeah. <laughs> In theory, you have a theory hat. Um, but yeah, no, like you know, realistically. The difference between liberals and people who are actually on the left is that liberals are fine with violence as long as it's out of sight and out of mind, right? And as long as there's an excuse to justify it, you know? And this is what it basically comes down to. They're happy with human suffering and misery as long as it's not theirs and doesn't impact or cause theirs, you know? So they're happy, like, you know, they don't really think about it and they practice the art of not thinking about it. Yeah. And so if the army's off doing violence to other people, then as long as it's justified, it's all good and fine. 
well, the only time it bothers them is if they can't construct a justification. Therefore, they are forced to feel sad and bad about it. Yes, you know, and, like hold that thought in your head. I mean, I, 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 I don't. Th- I think saying that they they practice not thinking about it is being too generous. I, I think every liberal is a shy fascist, and they actually love yeah, the like, idea of our brave lads like abroad bombing like a fucking so a foreign country. My, my, Again, my I'm gonna is, I'm gonna ask you to just. Wait a little bit until we discuss a little okay. more, and then we're going to come back. And this is that's actually going to be please. some of the final point. All right, all yes, right, all right. That's it. Um, I will tell you when. Um, so S- sitting here with my theory bar- balaclava ready to go. <laughs> yeah, so just... <laughs> put on my I put on my theory wizard hat and robe. <laughs> hey, that, that definitely that is my aesthetic style. So I suppose. <laughs> so we've covered what the armies for and what they're like supposed to be for uh but what do we do with them like you respect them you respect the troops they died so that you'd be free to respect them so you fucking battle yeah uh, but they haven't died but how am i supposed to only respect the ones that are dead because that would make so things yes. significantly easier no. for me no, you're no, not. You you're used supposed to. to do as you're fucking told because, like, you know, yep. like somebody's granddad died at the Somme so that you would have the freedom yeah. to do as you're told. Okay. Yes, <laughs> okay. I just wanted to yeah. double check and make sure. It's not just that, though, and we'll go on to it. So, like, Remembrance Day as a thing, right, has Remembrance been, Month, it's, at the minimum. Well, no, 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 no. We're, we're back in time here when it was just Remembrance Day because, okay. like, when I think back to... Like, when, when was that? Was, 1913? <laughs> it so, was on the 11th minute of the 11th hour of the 11th day jamie that's when it was i mean correct me right so some of you are older than me correct me if i am wrong but even when i was a cadet so i'm talking like 12 13 years old <laughs> right, um yeah you were like, wrong to be a cadet, and i was yeah, past yeah, yeah yeah and i was actually participating in like remembrance day parades and stuff like that because of course that's what they get the kids to do um it it's was really sorry just, just as a side those... note it's really great that we celebrate that we celebrate remembrance which is a sort of weird conjunction i'm not even going to go into but like the rob, thing that just, you no, do rob the... we are going to go into that it's just like yeah let's let's do the child soldiers on parade like what i mean well again like let me let me let me finish with it so like all you did as a cadet was there would be on the saturday of remembrance weekend you would go out and rattle it in for a little bit collect some money for the poppy appeal and then on sunday you would make sure your boots were shined and everything was ironed properly and you would go out and you would do a march from wherever you started the thing from to the cenotaph you would stand about for a bit well like the fucking last post in that played you would march past and you would salute some guy and then you would go home and that was it that that's all it was and largely that it wasn't much more than that it was actually just like this kind of like vaguely fucking somber thing there's always been people with problems with remembrance day and like yeah fine i get where they're coming from with it but mm-hmm. like at the same time it was never anything if you compare 20 years ago to like now it's going to be yeah, vastly but... fucking different do you know why it's changed yes we're going to cover that so I think the jumping off point I'd love point to be here, on this podcast that's in the future. It sounds like a great podcast I'd love to listen to. So in 2009, I think this is the jumping off point for a couple of reasons as mm-hmm. to when things got really fucking weird. Mm-hmm. 2009 was the year that we pulled out of Iraq. That was that right. was the end of it. The Iraq war was over. The troops were home, etc., etc. Now, 
during the Iraq war, there was a steady ramping up of the poor troops as a concept. Because, like, mm-hmm. you remember there was all the, um, we've badly equipped the troops and they're all dying because the shitty little Land Rovers um, are, like, fully, deathly yeah, allergic yeah, to IEDs. They need, they need a bulletproof vest, not a fucking, like, referendum. Or some shit. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah also, yeah. ultimately, um, it was so because all... the uh, the Ajax wasn't ready. That's why the British boys died. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of thing was slowly ramping up. Um, I've got a little little statistic here. So all of them. I remember. I remember the like fucking big hysteria about the guns didn't work in the desert or something. They fucking didn't. By the way, they, and it's they like, didn't yeah. fucking work at home. I remember it's those like, things. Maybe just. Shit. Maybe just stay out of the fucking desert then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that would, yeah. would everyone not be happier if you just didn't fucking take your shit gun where it doesn't work and it isn't wanted? But apparently, I tell you who wouldn't be. I tell you who wouldn't be. BAE systems. Yeah. <laughs> so, of the more than 183 fatalities, 138 personnel in Iraq were classified as having been killed in hostile circumstances. Well, the remaining 44 lost their lives as a result of illness, accidents or friendly fire or suicide. And there were 3,598 wounded. That's from the beginning of Iraq to the, well, from the beginning of the Iraq war to the end of the Iraq war. Now, we remember that no one fucking wanted that war. It was like the biggest and most protested against thing in British history. Uh, everyone fucking hated it, basically. Um, even people in government at the time didn't like it it was that fucking bad so that was a slow and steady ramping up i don't know if you also remember bryce norton mm-hmm. the that was the airport, airport where the where the bodies came home and then it was like we weren't allowed to see that anymore or something or the, it, 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 so or is this like the root and bassett thing yes it is. it's root and bassett that's that ah, okay so and bassett, then... or now Royal Witten Bassett, as oh, it's known, because it um, they paraded a bunch of corpses through it, uh, was the town where the bodies would come off the plane and drive through on their way to wherever mm-hmm. the fuck they take bodies that have been shot up by Iraqi soldiers. Um, that or was American. Some, yeah, sometimes American. Or American, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that was the time where they, they, they pulled the bodies through, and it was on the news every single fucking day. Like, I honestly, of all the things that I can remember of the Iraq war, that's the thing I can remember the most because I've seen it the most often. The thing that I really remember about the Root and Bassett thing is there was that brief thing that, like, got everybody very excited was when some other dickhead like uh uh like quite an extremist muslim guy which is like we're gonna protest in wooten bassa and he said i'm saying this to get on the news and then everybody went and got him on the news was that yeah. andrew chowdhury andrew chowdhury yeah there you go yeah 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 uh, yeah it was it was like such a fucking obvious thing um and, and i'll go on to that kind of thing in a little bit as well but that all happened and culminating in 2009 with the end of the Iraq war. It's all done. It's fine. Yeah, we're still in Afghanistan, but pretend that's not happening because that one was just because, remember, that one was for 9-11. Um, what, year, now, um, what year did that guy, I think he stood, it must, it must be in an election year because I think he stood against Tony Blair and embarrassed him with a speech about his son who died in Iraq or something? It must have been 2000. And must have been 2005. Five? Yeah, yeah, must be, yeah right. it must be no five. Because um, do you think maybe do you think maybe like Tonti fucking decided to ramp up the uh, 
the remembrance no. and like plus one. Wait, do you know what? Right, can, can I cut in here because I think that I don't think the real reason this is ramped up has been covered at all, or even uh, touched on. Um, I'm I'm finished. Go on. <laughs> Harry Patch died in 2009. That's it. There you go. These two things culminated in pretty much the exact same time. Um, Harry Patch obviously being the the last serving soldier of World War One. Ostensibly, the whole point of doing Remembrance Day was to remember people of his generation who gave their lives, etc., etc., in the war. He wasn't, and for the for record, just for listeners who don't know, because we do have some younger listeners, he wasn't just the last serving, the last fighting Tommy, he was called. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he fought in the trenches, and he was an avowed pacifist who yes. has many, many quotes. Yeah, he was a about good comrade, yeah. The, I mean, fight, war being sanctioned murder. Fighting in the trenches will give you that impression, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. And what's really quite, quite, there's one spooky thing about it, which has always stuck with me, which is a guy died aged 111 years, one month, one week, and one day. <laughs> Fuck's sake. And given that we celebrate on, yeah. and I know the word celebrate here, on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, etc. Just a little spooky to me, frankly. Mm, yeah. um, but anyway. Um, the portents of history, etc. So, yeah. like, that... that he died the same year as that. War ended, and that was that was two thousand nine. Now, did you know that the UK used to have Veterans Day? I of course, you did, but I don't know the details. Well, that's because no one fucking cared. It was started in two thousand and six, and it lasted until two thousand and eight, when it was rebranded as Armed Forces Day in two thousand and nine. Oh. Ah, yeah. If either. anyone's, have you not? Well, fuck, lucky you, right? So, Armed Forces Day was very much a we will make a concerted effort to get the troops out on the streets and in parks, etc., etc., to do like Keep away the basically riffraff. fucking PR outreach. No, 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 fully not. Interact with the riffraff, get them in, bring them to the recruiting tent, etc. It was very much a don't you all love the army type deal. Um, <laughs> now that from 2009 it took part across it took place across the uk uh, there was loads of places i have been to some of these um again with the cadets and like re- the more recent ones i've been to so like maybe like four or five years ago versus like the early ones of 2009 are quite different they're kind of like just a kind of county fair type deal now where it's just like a few there's, there's like a little parade and then there's like some stands and stuff and some of them are recruiting and there's other like organizations replacing, replacing around the, the place ducky, will get involved replacing the rubber duck yeah, yeah with honestly a yeah sting a missile. that kind of thing <laughs> i mean like we we set one up a while back um in the cadets and the the whole thing was that we had a bouncy castle there like <laughs> dumb shit like that that's that's what it's turned into and like fair enough and i think that's part of the backlash that was caused from the beginning of it because the beginning of it was the army would rock up with some like small tanks and actual weapons chained to tables and were like how like it was, it was full on, but it was hard, full on recruitment. It was like, would you like to come over? Would you like to see what we do? Did Are you... you interested in this? Would you like to hold a rifle? Would you like to fucking do this, that, the next thing? Was, um, was there, very, a, was there a mum like clapping and cheering while the ch- children stamped on cockroaches? Or no, not quite <laughs> to that degree. Unfortunately, no. Um, uh, nothing as exciting as that. But it was very overt in what it was. It's less so now as a thing. But I think that's just because 
funding's largely been pulled from it and like I say civilians have kind of like muscled in with it as well and just done well there's going to be a bunch of people in the park so I'll set up a wee stall and sell some stuff there or yeah join the army we've got bouncy castles <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so that if you, if you think about it getting hit has... by an IED is very close to just being a very adult bouncy castle if you think about it mm. what is the Ajax but <laughs> yeah yeah a very hard bouncy castle that you can't escape. Uh, the the Armed Forces Day thing has had an effect, I think, because you will, in like bigger towns, cities and stuff, there will be like a military parade through it. Uh, there, you know, there'll be an event on in the park at the weekend where everyone's going to come out and they'll, they'll see it as in their day-to-day. The army is more visible now, but it's visible in a very offhand way. They're not really there doing anything. They're just present and... You know they're there to be displayed, so you only get that kind of like shiny idea of them. If you know what I mean, that's what that's there for, and that I think has affected the overall mindset a little bit. But obviously, only as a kind of supplementary to what the death of Harry Patch did to Remembrance Day, which was to make it insane. Well, I mean, it is. It 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 did get very like plastic over time didn't it like it's all very it's it's completely oh, extremely. unreal because it's yeah well you, do you know what i mean there's people on amazon have got like fucking poppies that they made themselves to sell to fucking yeah. like dipshits from britain first or whatever it's, yeah it's far well, better like you know rather than give you money to like you know the fucking whatever charity it is the royal british legion or something yeah uh yeah 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 rather yeah. than buy a poppy from the old lady in the supermarket like you know what I mean? You just get one off get a Prime. Fancy one. Yeah, get a fancy one. That yeah, like or also get a big has... one that you can put on the front of your car. Oh the, yeah, the, the the Captain Tom Memorial one ridged for your pleasure, you mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I've I've seen some of the stuff that people will say with fucking Captain Tom on it and yeah. Yeah, um, but you you like... also need to get like metal silhouettes of like fucking World War One soldiers to put in your garden and yeah. like fucking uh just all sorts of stuff. I'll tell you one of like the weirdest things. Like last year, I was in 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 the UK and I was future showing... soldier T-shirts for the kids. And yeah, that's that the next thing I'm going to talk obnoxious. about. And like I was, I was going to yeah. like, um, I was just going for a walk, and they had all these like weird like just benches for people, like for just for pedestrians to sit on. But they were like with metal poppies, and like this one of the side frames yep. was you know the silhouette of the soldier, and it's like mm-hmm. right, yeah. I'm just gonna sit here in Flanders Field and eat my sandwich like a normal person. <laughs> like, what is this supposed to do for me? Yeah, the, no, the sad that, yeah. Keanu of remembrance. <laughs> <laughs> the the future soldier thing that was that was fucking huge. Like, the that was. A, pretty sure it was help for heroes wasn't it yeah 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 so help for heroes was a charity that was set up during the i want to say it was far as back as the iraq war but definitely during afghanistan anyway um and the idea was it was uh it was a it was a troop support type charity for you know all the things that the the army won't actually but how is that different from from the 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 british legion (laughs) yes i think the, the idea was that it was set up as a charity, so I mean, draw your own conclusions from past episodes in which we've talked about charities loosely mm-hmm. as related to the military, but the idea was that the British Legion already kind of was at capacity with what it did, uh, so we need another charity to step in and do more. That was kind of like ostensibly the reason for it. Now, 
Health for Heroes was to do with you know PTSD recovery, um, with like uh, soldiers who'd come back and had to have limbs amputated, all that kind of stuff. Which like okay, fair enough. Uh, but it seemed to be really susceptible to like really weird scandals and fraud cases and stuff. No, uh, no, were, I know, right? There was some guy who raised uh, like hundreds of thousands of pounds that the charity just never fucking seen. Uh, <laughs> There was I mean, the future soldier T-shirts, how, which were sold on was, the website. How big was that guy's garden? <laughs> no idea. Couldn't find anything about it. Uh, there was the future soldier T-shirts, which were you know tiny little child-sized T-shirts with the words "future soldier" written on them, uh, which is a deeply normal thing to do. Why would? Uh, but again, it is a charity called Help for Heroes. So, but like, mm. so. <sighs> So the normal Rob, is this, thing is this your brain exploding on contact with a piece of like <laughs> normal? No, brain I, I mean again? I get what it is, and like I mean it's stupid, and it's clearly just you know another way to displace you know sort of support for something that when your child grows up, you know you'd fucking would rather die than have them actually join as an actual thing. But ah, mm-hmm. oh, Jesus, wept. What? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Help for Heroes stuff, I, think... I, I remember that from when I was in the cadets as being very much a thing that we never really, like, touched. It was always kind of there on the periphery of things that we did, but we never actually were involved with them directly, and that was probably from up top that that was kind of given as a don't get involved with them. Um, now, I think, whether or not um... that actually happened, I don't know, but it makes sense because of how little contact we had with them. I think part of the problem, and the thing that I suspect is blowing Rob's mind, is how artless it is. Like, yeah, um, it, you, you know the urge, you know the drive it's serving. It's just who would who would think that is a good piece of propaganda and think that's a good idea? And it wasn't. British drew, people. Well, here's the thing, actually. It drew more controversy than I think it had success. The good stuff is like, the good stuff is like oxygen. You can't see it. You're not aware it's... Oh, yeah. That, yeah, they were know. just ahead of the time. They did that again now and like you'd be fucking like dragged <laughs> into the street and beaten as, as a traitor for fucking daring to tweet about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. potentially. <laughs> Yeah, I again, all, all you know, different things are different, etc. Um, it's it's a different time. The uh, it's a worse time. F- yes, it always is. Uh, the far mm-hmm. right with help for heroes. Now, there was a, an instance where um, I don't know if you remember Lee Rigby, the uh, drummer who was attacked and killed in the street. Oh yeah, the Beatles wrote a song of... about him. I think. Oh my oh, fucking god. god. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Uh yeah, so like he, he was um killed in what was what was deemed to be a terrorist attack, etc. um on the street. Now a couple of things I want to point out here. First off was like the the EDL response to this was Tommy Robinson was gonna do like a, a march by himself and wanted to raise five thousand pounds for it to go from like the centre of London to Woolwich where it happened, um, to lay a wreath and he he wanted five thousand pounds to do that and help for heroes to their credit, How expensive are his fuck fucking off. shoes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fuck um, but yeah, Helfer Heroes told him to fuck off in that regard and didn't want his money, and then the, the, the fundraiser disappeared, and I don't know what happened with the money. I, I didn't look into it that much. I don't really care. Cool. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that was a whole thing that happened, and right about that time as well, like protection of the army became very important. They had to be defended. And but it was like they're couldn't the possibly say bad guns. things about them. They're the eaters. No, no, no. They're sens- they're sensitive little souls. You Our can't precious bodily it's fluids bad. are being sapped. 
<laughs> so that kind of brings things back to you know what I said to keep in mind earlier with the um, the, the the liberal fascist fucking bit. It is the army sits in that fascist quantum superposition of very powerful thing that should be feared and yet also mm-hmm. very fragile thing that you know could collapse at the slightest the slightest impact it's the Can same way that, that fascist yeah um the enemy of the fascist what are they they are incredibly powerful and dangerous yet also like sniveling subhuman useless and yeah therefore, subhuman yeah. Yeah, it's the inverse of that. Okay. They are very powerful, and that's a good thing. But they are also very weak, and that's a bad thing. Ah, army. okay. It's the same. It's the ah, same, okay. but inverted fascist superposition, um, and that is again like tying we this back to the whole. We are very powerful, but there are enemies in every corner, and they could come for us at any moment, kind of situation. Yeah, and all of them could the destroy us because we yeah. are actually very weak, if you think about it, but don't ever think about the two at the same time, otherwise the whole the superposition collapses and only one of them is true. Like, yes. That is, again, tying back into the whole, you know, the long fucking ongoing thing that we still need to do, like, a proper episode on about how liberals are just fascists, really, because it's just one big fucking spectrum of bullshit. Um, that, that's it there. Like that's that's another key fucking element of how that's true, in my my opinion, because the army can't be both of those things, and yet somehow it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no lies detected. Yeah. yeah. Um. But like, yeah, it's, it's it's just it's very fucking weird to have that kind of opinion of the military be the thing the british thing and like rob i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna go to you as the only person who was um fortunate enough to not be from here um (laughs) what's it like on the continent with regards to the military uh, people like give a fuck like this i mean i can only speak for for sort of for my own country and then and also not really because i haven't lived in it for like nigh on a decade now um but like the weird thing is they they did veterans day that's now a thing in the netherlands as well like, I think it's the mm-hmm. day before Memorial Day or something. I can't remember when the fuck it is, actually. Mm-hmm. Give me a sec to look this up. What, what's Memorial Day? Uh, right, so we have two things. We have, like, two Memorial Days. We have, like, Memorial Day is on the 4th of May, and that's where, that's just an evening thing where we remember the dead of mainly World War Two, but also World War One and the other wars, essentially. That's quite mm-hmm. solemn. That's like the minute of silence stuff. Um, yeah, okay. And then we have Liberation Day the day after, which is the 5th of May, which is when the armistice with the Germans was signed in World War Two, and that's essentially the party piece. So, like, you first have the solemn memorial and then the hooray, we're liberated thing. Right. And on that one, like, I just uh, I'll make the point that makes sense to me for the Dutch to do that as a country which was fucking occupied during World War Two to have, like, a celebratory victory day, etc. Like, that makes a lot of sense to still be a thing now. But, like, we, we didn't really have that problem. Yeah, and the weird thing is, here, like... So it's weirder that we would do something like that. And the weird thing is, that, like, what we had, what they started not that long ago... Uh, when the fuck was it? Um... Uh, it was held since 2005, and you have to remember, uh, the Dutch were also in Afghanistan. So, like, uh, you know, that that mm-hmm. the, I think it's very much related to the same thing. Like, 
it was organized um it, it's now in june and it's like a rem day of remembrance specifically for veterans and i'm just like i don't mm. you know it, it, it it's also to do with like um giving dutch veterans respect and credit for their bravery in afghanistan even though the dutch people didn't want them there either um and you know talk about ptsd and dutch veterans all that shit but like so far as i know it, it it's never really like gotten big into the public consciousness i could be wrong again i haven't mm -hmm. lived there in a decade so like it could be that this is a big thing now but i think there was always like a sort of mild level of like embarrassment that we were like well we have remembrance day we have liberation day i think what's I think this well, other rob, thing for yeah i think as well rob like because obviously English is a shared language between, like, you know, main language of the UK and the US and, you know, the special relationship and whatever. Like, it is, it is well well known that, uh, you know, Americans love to shag their flag uh, more than anybody. And it's no surprise, I don't think, that after Iraq and Afghanistan, that at least some of that bled over into British culture. Well, and then therefore yeah. by extension to the Dutch, because the Dutch are the most English outside the English, who are the most American outside the Americans. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I hate to do the listen to other podcasts, but again, but um, like there was a, a an unlocked Patreon episode of What a Hell of a Way to Die on this very subject that was released just this week. Thanks again for that timing. Well done. Because um, <laughs> I planned this from fucking before, <laughs> before two days ago. Uh, like they cover that and obviously Nate's on that. And Nate has mm. obviously the American experience to kind of contrast that against the British one, um, but I thought it would be interesting, you know, Rob, to get your one um, from a kind of more continental perspective because I mean the, the, yeah, the, the thing that strikes World me War II specifically are very different. The th again, the thing that's focusing specifically about the Dutch one, but also from other ones that I've seen, is it tends to be like much more like uh, solemn and like not so like yeah. gung ho about like fuck yeah we're gonna do a war again, but more like oh wait a lot and a lot and a lot of people died and you know like in a cases a lot of people like that generation has passed now but like a lot of people can still say you know like my family part of my family my great uncle or whoever yeah. died in in the war mm. you know it's still like through your parents part that's still it, a living link yeah yeah see part of it is i think that continental europe had the war on it yeah and britain just had the blitz which is much more removed in memory now and i think that's pretty much it it's it's again it's the whole liberal thing of when it's tucked away mm -hmm. then you can indulge about it but when it's undeniably in your face then and when it's part of your living cultural memory you need to engage with can't. the realities of it yeah 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 and so harry patch dying is like part of that and then separately all the people who lived through the blitz have all you know fucking gone essentially as well mm. more or less so and the ones that haven't, it's like, you know, they're all consigned to irrelevance, essentially, and they're not soldiers. Whereas Harry Patch was unimpeachable. Harry Patch, you can't simultaneously praise the soldiers and then ignore it when they stand up and go, war sucks. And there isn't, like, a replacement for him. Yeah. So, in many ways, that guy was, like, holding shut the seal on the, you know, one of the signs of the apocalypse, <laughs> bluntly. Well, I mean, I do um, think that it is interesting that, like, you, you, because we, what you don't seem to be having is what you have now... Um, is like there's a new generation of, of veterans who did go to Iraq and Afghanistan, and some of them came home with very strong anti-war opinions, but it is now acceptable to put those people away as cranks. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, you, well, they're, they're, they're now lefty socialist scum 
even though they have the same so you know they have they have the same quote yeah. unquote credentials if you will they don't though because they haven't um they haven't fought in trenches which was like measurably worse than modern soldiers who are like you know they're still they're still our brave lads but compared to like the brave lads of old they're sort of like slightly yeah. weak and effeminate because they're just like they have body armor and tanks whereas in the trench you just like you know what i mean you got trench foot and then you got shot it's partly and so, that I, I and think... it's partly what the walls were for like everyone agrees that world war one was just shit all around like every, no one yeah. thinks world war one was good and if you I ask mean, about world war two everyone yeah you say and, that like yeah. but it, it's yeah. like I, I, we're not talking about the balkans though so um... the thing the thing with the thing with like you know what i mean it, the thing is all the people who fucking like dismiss like returning soldiers today as cranks if they don't support war mm. they would have done exactly the same fucking thing to like harry patch when he like you know what i mean when he came back from war like it's no, just like, it's you... just that now it's like far enough removed that you can just go like ah well yeah they they came back and they were like they, they said the war was terrible but that's because that one war was terrible but they didn't no, think all there's, wars. A, there's a huge sorry there's a huge structural difference here and it's that world war one and world war two there was mass conscription and so everyone knew firsthand, like there was some family members who died or, or vanished or, you know, uh, were never heard from again or who came back traumatized. Everyone See, knew how terrible it was. I don't, oh, I yeah. don't think it's just yeah, that. I'm, I'm not I, saying, I'm not saying like people at the time would have like called like fucking people returning like dipshits for okay, same okay, piece. I'm you. saying the people today who were saying like, oh, well, you know, like fucking you come back from Afghanistan and you, you claim and it's like you've got PTSD where they didn't have PTSD in like World War One or whatever. <laughs> would have like, Yeah, they had shell shock. Yeah, they would have like been just as, dis- though those same pricks would have been just as dismissive of, you know what I mean? The only, the only uh-huh, thing yeah. they can get, it, they can hold up World War One as like, oh, it's a bad war because there's no one alive to like fucking tell them that like, no, actually when we say war, we mean all wars, not just this one. I think the other difference is as well, you know, like I was saying, World War One, everyone said it was shit. World War Two was like effectively a, a, as close as you're going to get to a just war. Like, what were you doing? It was to stop fascism. Don't ask any of the things that we are doing yeah. and we're up to elsewhere. But it was to stop fascism ostensibly, um, or at least it's framed as such. Obviously, it was actually just fucking imperialism against imperialism. I think anyway, maybe it had that effect. Yeah, I think maybe David. It also has something to do with what you were saying earlier about like the inversion of the fascist uh, supremacy. You know, like the the, the army is simultaneously mm, yeah. extremely strong, but also very weak, and that essentially the this the the veterans that come that- home. Now that you can say, ah, yes, they belong to the other side, which is they're not the strong. They are the incredibly weak little flowers who yeah, yeah. have fa- who essentially yeah, have failed in their that, mission of being strong. That that does fit, I agree, I think, yeah. And also the other point is, um, and, and I hate to be the guy that brings it up again, but the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and we've just done a big Cold War where, like, if you weren't fucking like rabidly on the side of just kill the commies uh you were you know you were a collaborator and you were like uh, just you 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 loved the soviet union and you loved everything about it and that mindset hasn't died with the soviet union which is why we find ourselves where we are today re-opinions about russia around ukraine Mm. and that in itself has an effect too where you know if you're not coming back for the wall and saying that war was fucking brilliant or at the very least saying I'm really glad I served my country, whatever the fuck that means. Um, mm. You know, like, yeah, then you must be some soft fuck. Or, or a traitor. Like, because and... you, you're, you're yeah. destroying the well, comfortable stories that we've told each other. But but you repeat me. Like, 
Yeah, yeah. it's the same fucking thing as far as they're concerned. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's that's it. Long and short of this, it's very fucking weird. Uh, this country has a really strange fixation with what the army is, should be, and what they think it is. Uh, and it, it never really matches up. And like I say, it, it requires that same cognitive dissonance of um, fascist perception of a thing to really function when you try it's, and fit it's it in proto, It's proto-fascist Spartan state kind of stuff, basically. It's a slow introduction of and normalisation of like a military mindset into non-military applications in everyday life. Oh, fuck. And it that's... hasn't become centralised yet, but it's getting there. No, but that, that's that's a whole other fucking thing. I mean, fucking businesses love the concept of the military. And, like, if you look fucking, like, um, fitness is a thing, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, gym yeah. stuff. I mean, Alistair, you've maybe fucking clocked this at times um, in gyms where guys who are, like, ex-army or whatever will heavily fucking lean on that shit as, like, a way to become your personal trainer. And it's all about the, 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 the military way of training your body, etc. and fucked up shit like that. Like, just give a rest. Fucking just stop, guys. You've took the fucking uniform off. You don't need to do this anymore. But it sells. It's useful because of the environment it's being created. Um, yeah, but it's, self, it's self-reinforcing. It's, it is, it's yeah. It's how yeah. you get to societies like that. Yeah. I mean, what, what else is, is fascism but self-reinforcing, really? I mean, it's... it's one unfortunate point of it is that it is very fucking good at that. But before we go into this whole thing, um, I, I, I need to try and figure out a name for this fucking theory that's not just fishhook theory because we're adding a spectrum into it because we're, we're just clever at that. Um, but yeah, so let's just fucking call the episode there. Your article read that we promised earlier. Sorry about that. We ran on a bit. Um, yeah, happens. as you might uh, have noticed, this article episode reads. is long already. Yeah. <laughs> if you it's want the article... Kirsty. It has been a very custody. We almost fucking didn't get this recorded at all. Thanks, Discord. Um, if you want the uh, article read, then you can get that by going to patreon.com forward slash praxiscast where we're going to do that article read on the next um, premium episode because yeah. we don't have time for it here now. So Exactly. Um, join us there. Uh, Twitch streaming is as normal Mondays and Thursdays. Twitch.tv forward slash PraxisCast for some Valheim and some Phoenix Point with Jamie and Alistair. And also check out potential more streams of Elden Ring at the weekend with James and assorted whomevers who come on the, to join The Voice. Whoever's about. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah, we are getting there. Yeah. So yeah, uh, thanks very much for listening. Thank you very much for listening to me fucking whittle on. Uh, this is what happens when I'm allowed to plan episodes. So if you didn't like it, at everyone to make sure I'm never allowed to write notes again, I would yeah, very word, much appreciate it. The word plan <laughs> is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. Like <laughs> I rest my case. Anyway, catch you later, folks. Yeah, see Cheers. ya. Cheers. See ya. Good night. <laughs>